Your ears do not deceive you. You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner. I'm Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts, and today I'm chatting with Nick Cagnetti about one of the more interesting and thought-provoking comic series that I've, I've read in quite some time, Pink Lemonade, from Oni Press, which is dropping soon in trade paperback form. Nick, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. I always like talking about this stuff. Yeah, it's it's kind of a wild book to me. There's a lot of kind of deep stuff going on. So let's get into it. I know there's there's no way you could have sort of planned it as such, but I can't think of a, a timelier release for this project than now in this kind of era we're going through with the comics broke me hashtag. So everybody's talking about mental health and emotional health and and all these things. So there's a very intentional throwback feel to both the narration and the the visual storytelling of Pink Lemonade. Um, this project is many things, but what stuck out to me the most was kind of that, that intent to examine the exploitation in the comics industry and more broadly in our entertainment media, you know, at large. So what attracted you specifically to wanting to address that subject? Well, I mean, the whole comic book, industry has always been like a thing that's fascinated me it's just like been dear to my heart the, the the medium itself so it's it's always been it's always been something that i've looked at and been aware of and just just you know as i've been doing these comic books i've been i've been working on on comic books independent comic books for about a decade now and you know you just keep working on these things and you start to you just start to notice more things out there and see see things that you haven't heard of before. And, uh, you know, it can be kind of a hard thing to wrestle with as you're working on this stuff, just just as, as you're going along on your journey, figuring this stuff out and seeing what's come before and seeing how people have, have, have been treated always historically in the industry. It's just sort of, uh, you know, it's, it's always been a thing that, with the rise of how popular the the, the books have, have the characters in these books have big become in other media over the more recent decades, it's sort of been a thing for me. With like, are people aware enough of of you know the history of of the people that make these things behind the scenes? Like what like how they've been treated, how how things have sort of fallen for for them. Just just. How, how things have been so you know that's sort of a thing that i wanted to to try and and and, and wrestle with on the pages just sort of as i was going about all this stuff because uh pink lemonade started out as a bunch of comic strips that i was doing in college just sort of trying to figure out you know stuff that was going on in my head and it was always sort of just like a natural thing for me to explore through through the character since she's just so positive and full of life and 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 wonderment for for everything so yeah it was sort of an easy way to sort of approach it through her through her you know positive lens to try and see you know any positive takeaways or any other ways of 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 trying to look at this sort of stuff yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed that, despite you know, kind of the the seriousness of the subject matter. Uh, Pink Lemonade, Pink Lemonade herself, main character, retains that that youthful optimism. You know, the the whole story, for that matter, 
as a strong message of redemption, you know, and, and Pink Lemonade as a character is kind of a blank slate, you know, without, you know, clunky memories, she's able to see things in that childlike and inquisitive way you're referencing. So talk to me about creating her and, and you kind of what you wanted specifically her to kind of reflect towards the reader. Right. Well, for when I started doing the comic strips with the character, it was sort of uh, a way for me to to look at you know why I, I love comic books in the first place, why why I fell in love with this stuff, and sort of trying to capture that feeling that you know I think that we all get as as when we discover these things as kids, just that joy. Um, For sure. the, the imagination, anything's possible sort of feeling and, and sort of reflect that on a character who sort of is living that, you know, vicariously on, on the page. Um, and, you know, as that just sort of naturally lent to, you know, being being an adult, get growing up and just just becoming more aware of things and just trying to, to grapple with those with those uh, facts um, and and. and trying to do it in, in a way that you know didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to uh you know for my own health just just be bogged down i, I want to try and and, and and uh see what what can we do you know yeah yeah she has those episodes of uh, dissociation in the book where she encounters kind of different forms of opposition kind of for lack of a better way of framing that as an overarching term you know sometimes this is confrontation with the adversary Barzavelli Jr., but oftentimes she's doing this kind of through a mirror, you know, of sorts, whether that's the face of the robe figure found near the water or, you know, even seeing things in a random puddle. So the, like a mirror image keeps coming up. You know, I've experienced this myself as a creative, you know, kind of being my own worst critic and the mental challenges of leveraging that creative endeavor out into the world um, and how the world, you know, interprets it and interprets you. You know, is the intent to portray her in effect kind of as her own worst enemy? Or what is she encountering kind of through these reflections specifically? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly elements of doubt there. Just the the, the self, uh, you know, the self, you know, trying to tear itself down in, in the face of these things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the thing that I've felt many times working on this stuff. You know, it's like that. Are you are you good enough sort of thing? and um getting to try and re- reflect that onto the character is is uh you know since she is a blank slate in a way uh there's sort of a, a point made about like you know these outside forces seeing that as an opportunity to sort of uh have something that they can meld for for their own purposes and it's like uh well sort of looking at how like uh maybe these major media companies sort of view like things that are, that are presenting themselves to them. It's just like, well, what can we do with this? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and sort of that, the mental battles that come with, well, why why are these people putting this on to, onto me, you know? Yeah. And uh, that that was sort of an interesting thing to sort of, uh, try and figure out because it's sort of like, you know, your creator making this stuff. It's like you, you want it to be true to, to, to yourself and what you want it, what you're trying to do. But then you start sort of thinking like, uh, you know, what, like you said, what are, what, what are, how are other people going to interpret it? 
Yeah. So it's it's definitely a, an interesting uh, struggle for sure for as far as creating it goes. Yeah. Well, there, there was a fun examination kind of of the concept of the masks we wear as well. You know, Pink Lemonade's helmet being, you know, the, the, the image one that, that it reflects and portrays to the world, but not not the real one, not, you know, not actually herself. You know, you're kind of, kind of able to play with that visual effect to, to a, create an emotive quality, which, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I felt like kind of it was an examination of the, the modern celebrity you know, in, in a way. So what made, you know, there's the scar on her, fa- on her head that, that made it feel that much more important, you know, that, that shift. So where did those ideas to present her like that originate? I'd say it was just a lot of what I was uh, going through at the moment in, in college. As I first created the character, it was really just sort of trying to come up with something that Sort of had that that push pull dichotomy visually, and 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 you know it's came in the form of pretty literally just having the the scars and the baggage underneath the the, the helmet. And I, I've I've seen some people say the helmet's like kind of cute and kind of terrifying at the same time. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to see stuff like that occasionally too, because I, I feel like. Uh, you know, it kind of is a little bit quirky looking. So uh, that, that that was by design. So, I mean, it was uh, trying to just blend different kinds of things that I, I like. Um, I, I feel like I'm a big proponent of just like trying to, to, to make designs that hopefully stand out. Um, you know, the whole silhouette theory with just trying to make designs that 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 have interesting silhouettes or just colorful costumes and you know i think there's some something to be said too just you know the bright poppy colors and 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 sort of having that to you know sort of juxtapose this the you know the struggle she's going through too throughout the whole thing as she really is trying to 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 define that the joy and hold on to that joy. And I associate those kind of colors with, with, you know, positivity. Yeah. I mean, I, I love asking uh, creators about color choices. It's one of my favorite parts actually of interviewing, because I think it can have such a dramatic impact on the emotional portrayal of the characters and the mood. Um, in my not so humble opinion, it never gets its due. Right. So, you know, in this case, you know, my eyeballs felt like they just ate four scoops of rainbow sorbet when I when I'm looking at it. But there's this contrast with what feels like kind of more a limited color palette. Um, it feels a little more restricted, like purposely, like the days of four color processing, kind of you know around the 1970s Silver Age era. So you're also doing a lot of shading with with dots, which again kind of is that nod to to that time period in comics. So. How did you go about kind of creating the color palette you wanted to use with this? Well, it was interesting because I, you know, started, like I said, started out doing comic strips with the character. And those were uh, hand painted with acrylics and and, and just inked with, uh, you know, on on Bristol board back in the day. And uh, I had, you know, those those were fun to, to do that way. But. As I got to the end of that, there was sort of a natural breaking point to go to the books, and I wanted to try and go move more digital, uh, just for for 
I wanted to do something that was really polished and, and as pristine as I could get it looking. And I felt like that was the, the avenue to take it. So um, learning that whole side of it was pretty was pretty fun process to figure out because uh, you know I, I I got a lot of control over over what I was hoping to do there and you know there's some points where it gets a little bit um, you know in, let's say in issue one I'd say most of it I tried to be a little bit more reserved with the color choices in there because uh, you know it's past like the intro stuff just kind of wanted to ease people into it a little bit and uh as you get more towards like the 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 oj bot stuff there it's just sort of it starts getting a little bit more 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 colorful again and i feel like uh i tried to do as 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 few like uh you know blue skies then after the fact as as you start getting through it because uh you know, things start getting a little bit crazier for Pink Lemonade in her own world there. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think too, just like you have the possible, the, the, you have the ability on, on the page to, you know, not literally do, you know, what our world looks like. And I think a thing that's appealing to me about, about comics is you're just able to do that. You're able to, you know, craft a world the way you want it to be and uh that i mean that's sort of a thing with like you know i that captivated me about creators like mike allred when i would first be discovering like his independent stuff back then just be like the you know laura laura allred's color choices on stuff like that would always just complement his work so it just like felt like you're being transported to another fun place and now, that's the kind of stuff that I always would be drawn to is just anything that can like make you feel like you're in an, in another place. And that was sort of a thing that I was always trying to be thinking of as far as color in the books. Yeah, I mean, your your color work really shines through at creating that depth within the panels. Um, as your artwork in terms of like backgrounds, you know, um, is, is fairly simple, which is, is not a bad thing at all. It, you know, it's a distinct style. Um, and it, it makes for the figures to give them that that room to be more emotive. You know, it reminded me a lot um, of like Speed Racer or old Hanna Barbera cartoons, like that I grew up with. Like we all have our, our filters. That's mine. And you just you know kind of reference Madman being a big influence here. There's definitely some some Kirby you know influences in the figure work. So you know, kind of what else do you? feel like influenced your personal style kind of as you developed as an artist? Well, one thing that I was looking at a lot at the time when I was, you know, writing this stuff and and, and starting to work on it was actually uh, Hugo Pratt and Corto Maltez. Uh, I read quite a few books of those at the time, and I think they had a bit of an influence on me and impact as far as, you know, just looking at the way the brushwork was in there, it was just always really, really expressive stuff like that. Um, and just sort of the, the adventure aspect of, you know, sometimes it could be like a dreamlike quality to, to Corto's adventures. And he's sort of, you know, he's got that, 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 the uh, dreamer kind of quality too. Um, and, and I feel like that's a thing that sort of, bled over into pink lemonade a little bit in some unexpected ways 
that, that was a big one. Um, another thing that I think might have been on my mind a lot at the time, too, would be uh, Mark Buckingham. I, okay. I've always been a fan of his work because uh, you know, as, as a kid, one of the runs of comics that was coming out at the time that really like stood out to me was uh, a little kind of overlooked one on on, uh, on Peter Parker Spider-Man he had with like Paul Jenkins at the time and uh, Buckingham was doing just some really expressive nice you know uh, really expressive work that had a lot of humor to it and just came across in his in his line work so that was always something that stuck to me and and uh just sort of trying to get the the expressiveness and the humor was with, i think that was something i looked at a lot was was his work on, on titles like that well as a as somebody who's just sort of really getting into coloring myself um and i think everybody does this you know when they're they're playing with digital coloring right so it's you buy all the brush packages that, that you find, right, that you want to play with. Oh, this looks great. And you don't use 90% of them. But, you know, I was curious, you know, the dots that you're adding in to, to shade with, is that a, a specific brush you like to use? or? Yeah, I think it was like uh, some kind of dot liner package or something that, okay, was, yeah. that was somewhere. I can't tell you where because I don't remember at this point, but it's been in there for a while. But for the most part, I just use the standard brushes that are part of like Procreate. Okay. Uh, that's been the major tool set, honestly. Uh, I wish I could remember that the actual name of like the, the ones that were there, but I, I, I forget if I, if I bought them or, or, or what. Yeah, you know how that goes. I go through the same thing. There's one that I use that's actually a skull. Oh, nice. Um, and you can rotate, you know, the skull and the jaw makes makes a, a really nice cut line. Nice. Um, but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell you exactly where the heck I got it. So Yeah. Um, well, as I kind of mentioned at the start, redemption was a, a central theme in the book for me. You know, um I wanted to talk about some of the other characters. You know, Ron Radical goes through quite the transformation journey cool. in the story. You know, talk to me about him because we're obviously pulling from action stars of the 80s and 90s like Schwarzenegger. You know, his journey in its own way feels just as important as as Pink Lemonade's, at least in terms of messaging. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, he's sort of sort of the thing with a lot of it, too, is sort of like the generations of, of like characters going through these these things being like sort of taken advantage of by the by the entertainment biz and i think uh sort of reflected on on oj bot and ron radical pink lemonade sort of like in in a generational kind of way in terms of like looking at types of characters and, and ron radical is like a type of, of character for sure um that was sort of originated, the, the character originated back when I was in high school. I was trying to do a book for like the first time ever seriously. And I just, it was, it was really bad art. So I, I kind of gave up after a little bit of, of trying it. But, you know, it was one of those things where, um, you know, you learn a lot after just a few pages of trying something for the first time. So the character just sort of stayed dormant for about a decade and and 
he finally found some uh, found some use, found a new home in, in Pink Lemonade. So it was it was really nice to finally get him seeing the light of day in such a fun way. But um, yeah, no, he sort of has like uh, you know, I, I I love me some '90s comics, and I uh-huh. think like a lot of people sort of you know can. In the conversation over over time, I feel like those kinds of things can kind of get reduced to like, well, this is the trope. This is what they are. Um, and I, I I wanted to include like that, those kinds of things in there, but then have him be like kind of the opposite of that, too, at the same time where you know, he is like the guy who makes the big explosions with the big guns and the big muscles. But he also just kind of is, is tired of that, too. He's, he wants like a new 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 thing to do but he doesn't know what that is and it's just finding out that sort of kind of the same thing as like making art kind of making messes blowing things up on the page and uh i felt like that was sort of a fun uh a fun entry point for me too just sort of the you know the different way of like expressing like you know my 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 you know, approach creatively. It's just on, on, on him in, in that kind of way. Oh, for but. sure. Yeah. He's, he's got, um, at times he's got a, and, and this is a terrible adjective cable esque, right. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of the, the Simonson Liefeld era of new mutants kind of cable. Um, and at other times, you know, he's got, he almost puts on at the art show, he'll drop on, he's got the glasses on. So like, it was almost like a Clark Kent where he became a completely different, you know, persona, and he was able to, you know, kind of absorb that, and you were able to play with it in that way. You know, shifting and changing as as a as a as a character. Yeah, totally. I like doing the little glasses on them because they were just like these little round spectacles, and they just kind of looked out of place almost on this big muscular dude's frame, exaggerated. Yep. Uh, stuff like that, I think, was was fun for me because, like. You know, you you can you can have fun with these with these things on the page in, in, in ways like that. So definitely fun to, to sort of take advantage of those kinds of opportunities. Okay. It seems like a good spot to take a quick break. Hey y'all. Jimmy recently scored me a signed personalized copy of Hallow's Eve from Erica Schultz after her interview. You've probably had this problem too. I got this great book. Now how'd I display this thing? Well, I discovered this great product from Crafty Comics that lets you showcase your treasured comics and they even have options for already slab books too. I got their Flex Frame, which is amazing as you can customize the backing and it even has interchangeable watercolors to coordinate with your space. I opted for neutral gray to match the blue in my room. You can hang portrait or landscape and it comes with a template to make it easy to ensure that you get it exactly where you want it. To my surprise, my wife who tolerates my comic stuff was actually impressed with the overall quality and look. Win! So if you're looking for the perfect solution to showcase your own collection, visit craftycomics.com online. That's crafty with an I. Use the discount code YETI5 and get 5% off your order. All right, let's get back to the show. Well... You you kind of mentioned that in that nineties era. You're like, what what were you into? What what did you read growing up? Like, I'm curious a little bit about your background. I mean, I noticed you went to was it you were Arizona? Is it Arizona yep. State? You went yep, to that's yeah. right. Uh, well, I've always kind of been like a a, a fan of Spawn. Actually, 
Okay. Like I, 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 I've been a big Spawn fan for a while. You know, it's like one of those things you're, as a kid, you're, you're just like, sure, you're not sure you're supposed to be looking at because it's like dark and, and creepy. Yeah. And, but then, like, you know, that was kind of appealing. But, um, you know, and Todd was local too. So it was like, okay. whoa, he, he's, he's right here. Um, but, uh, you know, just, 90s back issues were pretty recent at the time so my mom would be taking me to comic book stores like every week up there and i would you know pretty often pick up a few random back issues from the 90s with spider-man stuff from like the clone saga and things like that so you know i always have like a fondness for for you know that that style of, of comic book just sort of felt like, whoa, what are these adventures? They seem to be like going on forever here. Just like the with the with the dramatic uh the, the dramatic heavy ink style and the, all the all the crazy uh lines going on all the, over the place. It was just like a it was pretty captivating in a way. But then I, at the same time I also really liked stuff that was like uh I, I think one of the first books I might have picked up actually was at the time a uh, a Spider-Man miniseries that Steve Rude had drawn, which okay. was like really, you know, it's like total opposite end of the spectrum kind of. But that's why it kind of appealed to me because it was just like so classy looking, like just uh, like everything was just like illustrated so, so like so fluidly and like that kind of was like first sort of inkling for me as, as a kid seeing this stuff being like, Whoa, this is like, this is like really nice. I mean, like I, I saw lots of the, uh, you know, at the time they were releasing these big black and white phone book size essentials. And those were some early things for me too, with, uh, you know, the, the early Spider-Man runs, we Dick Coe and Romita both collected and things like that. So yeah, I always, was probably like you know pretty early early exposure kinds of things for me too well there are a few little easter eggs kind of a, a visual social social commentary thrown in there which kind of gave me a little bit of perspective on on the area you're pulling from here beavis and butthead make a bit of a loose appearance there i said it you didn't so you know, there's no <laughs> worry about copyright issues you know uh, i'm curious about you know oj bot so like what were those barrel shaped juice, not juice drinks for kids like in the eighties or nineties? There's like little hugs, I think they were called. I didn't know if you like love those. You know, why orange juice, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think uh the fun thing with OJ Bot was originally it came about after like a spelling mistake. I think I included that too in, in, in the uh in the in the flashback origin of, of OJ bot there is he's just sort of typing and it just comes out like that. And I was texting a friend like ages ago, like uh, just trying to write, Oh boy. And it turned into OJ bot. And, uh, and then from there, I'm like, wait, this could be a character. And I tried to push it really hard. I was doing books with friends at the time. And, and uh, I'm like, but, but, but OJ bot here. And they're like, no, this is, what what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> That's the, what is an OJ bot? Yeah. Um, so you know, it was sort of a thing that stuck with me. I'm like, what is an OJ bot? And um, and I'm just uh, you know, I think a fun thing for me was just as as it was sitting in my head for a while, it was sort of coming to a point where it's like uh, 
I was doing the Pink Lemonade comic strips then, and I sort of introduced the idea of, of OJ Bot as sort of like this this thing that used to be a thing and now it's not anymore and, and kind of sad. And as as I kept going on with that, I got to an ending point as I started thinking like, okay, this is next and and and, and this is kind of too big to do in like the comic strips because it's just sort of kept growing to a certain point where I felt like I needed to transition to the books then. And um it sort of was like a thing where I kept ascribing more more different meanings to to this silly idea where it was sort of just like uh you know I think you can you can find ways to make anything kind of kind of matter to you if if you just have like those right bits of connecting the the materials and for for me OJ Bot was kind of like the mascot character sort of like the Mickey Mouse type where it's just sort of like this this character that's been around for for ages and been reinterpreted and sort of uh, the idea of like you know did it not was it not able to 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 make a jump at some point and how how that sort of played out for for everything so that was that was one of my favorite characters to, to sort of work through i think because uh you know, i i think at a certain point it gets more more emotional with the oj bot stuff than people would would expect going into it too so that yeah was cool yeah well you got to drop your favorite kind of combos since combos made an appearance and, and for those <laughs> that don't know what combos are first do you live under a rock and i will say they are cheese and i say that very loosely filled <laughs> you know, pretzel snacks. So what's your favorite kind of combos? Because they, they show up to, to give people a background around the OJ bot. So I, I love combos. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I had like some at a friend's house a, a while ago, like ages ago. I, I think they were like some kind of like spicy cheese kind. And I don't know yeah. what flavors in particularly it was, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, but but you know just like those ads, kind of like that in, in '90s comic books, I always thought were fun. Just uh, and and that was a thing that I enjoyed getting to do was sort of reinterpret real advertising and and the pages of the book and and sort of try to find ways to sort of reflect what was going on in the story and what was happening in the ads, sort of as like a a documentation of of how these things have sort of been. Uh, finagled with through by the by the corporation behind the behind the all of it yeah well and i'm curious what what was the story with the french guy and the dog because like i'm i was i hear what your background is and stuff the only thing like that that it stuck out to me was that's like a a tintin or a tantan depending on you know where where you you know were exposed to the character um reference so like french guy and the dog where where does that come from well, I, I took a bit of French in high school, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I think that might have been a bit of it. But I do, I do like Tintin, and 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 that also probably contributed in some little factor. But uh, yeah, I, I like those characters because uh, they're they're more ones that showed up in in the comic strips. I mean, that that was a fun thing too. I think going into the single issues was sort of having that feeling like these characters have been on adventures and because because in a way they had um so it was it was nice to sort of feel like the the world was already kind of established a bit and they had things going on 
And the thing with the with the French guy, Skip Roquet, he uh, sort of has like, in, in my opinion, in the comic strips, he's sort of established as sort of being a little bit opposite of Pink Lemonade, where she doesn't remember everything. He remembers everything and has scars too. And sort of uh, was a fun approach where he, you know, he, he respects her as far as like her, her attitude towards things. And he wants to, he wants to support that because he, he, he's, he's, he's about the same things, but he's a bit more of a harsher kind of, kind of guy. Um, that, that is a character I really would like to do some more with at some point. Like, I think the fun thing for me is just like kind of not a thing people would be expecting to see, but yep. I feel like there's a lot there that, that, that would make for a really fun book actually. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, one of my questions was, are you, are you planning to expand on, on this kind of world down the line? And clearly you have designs on at least building a little bit of it out. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. I think immediately though, in the, in the, in the future, my plan is to do something totally different for the next thing. I, uh, I'm in the, 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 the planning stages. I'm getting ready to start actually thumbnailing pages soon. So it's getting close. Um, I'm doing a book with a friend of mine that back in college, we, we sort of, we did, we did like a horror, horror romance book back then. And it sort of was sort of a question of, uh, how do we find a way to do, to do this from a new perspective to do this? So it's fresh for us both. And I think after like, almost a decade of asking those questions, we finally hit upon something that was really, uh, that was, that, that feels really like, like it's a new thing for us too. So I think even the, the, the maybe hundred or so people that have read the original story that we did with that back in the day would even, will even be surprised with, with what the new thing will be because it's just like totally a different beast at this point. Well, looking back, you've got this arc um, of Pink Lemonade, which is done. So having a little time and being a step removed, kind of what what are you most proud of? Uh, I'm just happy that I was able to finish it all, really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that was sort of a big question with like, you know, as I was working on it all, was, you know, it, it switched publishers early on. And then I was searching for a new home for the series for uh for quite a while and i kept working on it and i wasn't sure like if it would ever see the light of day so uh very very relieved that it's just all out there for people to discover now and uh you know my goal was to make something that would be hopefully uh, accessible and and able to be enjoyed just as one complete book by the end of it and uh you know i think too it, one thing that I'm proud of is that it's just, uh, I feel like uh, it's able to be in, enjoyed on like the surface level of, of just being a fun, colorful book. But, you know, also there's some, there's some more stuff there ho- hopefully going on for people if they, they, if they want to read into those things. And, um, I think issue five in particular was a highlight for me that, that I'm most proud of actually as, just had a lot of stuff that I wanted to do on that one in particular. Cause you know, I knew it had to be like a big 
like it had to it had to have those things to in order to work and I, and I needed to be able to pull them off in a in a satisfying way and it was uh I I think it was it took a while it took an extra amount of time to do that issue but I think it was worth it in the end yeah I mean as I read them all at once I'm assuming issue five is where you were embracing all the different artistic styles because like I was like wow th- this is a lot so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that that one was was indeed a lot <laughs> to do. Yeah. Well, this isn't your only current work for Oni. Um you're illustrating a a short for writer Christopher Condon for a, kind of this surrealistic science fiction anthology series called Zeno. You know, that's in issue 1 and it's all about these like it's like an in- injectable video game platform. Um yeah, what could possibly go wrong with that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds it, great. Yeah, it, it, it's creepy though, and it, it will stick with me for a bit. Like it, it was all Black Mirror. So, how'd you get involved with that one? Well, they uh, approached me as I was wrapping up working on Pink Lemonade about possibly writing and drawing a story for this uh, sci-fi anthology that there that was being cooked up, and um, I, I was having trouble sort of finding an entry point for, for, you know, how, how I, I was still in like total pink lemonade mode at the moment. So, um, they, they, they told me that, you know, you don't have to write it. You got Chris over here wants to, wants to work with you. He's got something cool that with you in mind that he wanted to work on. So you know, that was an easy decision from there because I, I knew he would have something really, really neat. And, um, that was, totally delivered because it was i think it was like exactly what i was what i was hoping for because it was just totally different from what i had just previously done and um i think that's just sort of a thing that i'd like to try and 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 do as much as i can of it's just lots of different kinds of, of of stories and um yeah it was it was a lot of fun getting to do like the 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 creepy the creepy gore by the end of it too because that's something that you know i didn't i didn't really know if i would be able to to pull off but i I knew i had to try and um there was some there was a lot of fun stuff with just the video game aspect of it all like i I like video games too so it was just a fun fun way to, to i got to stick some fun stuff in there too just just uh you know you know just express another side of of my nerdiness Oh, sure. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, I can tell you definitively that it's creepy. So you did just a fine job in portraying that gore. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm glad. Well, my last question for some time has been kind of about the the hustle of being a creative, you know, which is asking people this question. It's gotten pretty dark kind of as an exercise. So given the messaging here and, and kind of reading the room, I want to change things up a, a little bit with my finishing segment. Um, I want your one piece of advice for the inspiring creator out there or someone who's thinking about a career in the field to help them kind of take care and address their mental health, their physical health, you know, the emotional health that goes along with creating comic books. So what have you got for them? Well, it was, you know, takes a lot out of you at times for sure. And I think whenever that comes up, it's important just to try and you know, take a break the best you can really like step away from the stuff. I've had many points work, you know, working on pink lemonade where it just sort of had, you know, didn't have the the juice for it at the moment. And 
uh, you know, the good thing to do is just not not do it for the moment if you can and just work on something else or just take a break completely. But that's sort of the whole thing with just, uh, you know, doing this stuff can be a little daunting too, just for that fact of uh, at times it feels, you know, at times when I'd be working on this stuff, even back throughout the whole last decade, just sort of be this, this, you know, feeling through your head of just like, is, is this worth it? Is anybody going to even see this stuff? And, Right. Uh, I, I had that quite a lot, but, you know, I, I think even putting out books at the time, it felt like nobody even saw it, it was just sort of uh, trying to find the satisfaction, too. And just like you, you did something, you you're, you're, you feel like you improved. Uh, you can look at that and be proud in, in those regards and uh, just take those those lessons that you learned and and, and hopefully make some stuff that's even better the next time with the, you know, just always trying to make things that you really care about and passionate about. Cause I think that's the best thing to just try and keep yourself going doing this stuff. Like if it's something that you really want to do, uh, then, then you'll do it. Um, if, 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 if your heart's not as much into it, then, then, you know, that, that probably, you probably won't be able to finish that then unfortunately, but, so yeah, just just find the things that you really care about and and push yourself with those, with, you know, to go forward with those things. And uh, I'd say because uh, because anything uh, anything you try, it it'll contribute in some way. Like and that was the weird thing with you know doing the book and come. It came out through a small press publisher originally with uh, it's alive and. Uh, it was sort of a thing where, I, you know, at the time, it's just like, is, is all this stuff happened for a reason or, or what? And searching for a new home for the book for the longest time, I didn't know, you know, where it would end up. But uh, an editor from Oni Press, you know, they said that they picked up the book from the original printing and held onto it and saw it was looking for a new place and came up through that way. So it really was sort of a thing where, everything sort of happens for a reason and just try as much as you can and and you never know what what'll stick well you've got pink lemonade dropping in trade you've got the the thing with chris coming out with dino um you reference the the horror project that you're kind of in development let's put it like that um is there anything else coming up you want to pitch today like or you want to throw out there uh i'd say that those are the pretty much the big things the 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 horror book is going to be i'd say less less on the less on the uh the side of the xeno story and more just uh like i'd say imagine more like uh more more hannah barbera more more uh kirby etrigan the demon sort of along those veins along that along that that line of of thinking or we want to make something that's just spooky fun Nice, but well, uh, can... oh yeah, go go, go for it. No, no. Um, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, I am most active probably on Instagram. Um, my my handle is is fudgy one Nick, just what it's always been. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at ncags 
but I do have a website where I catalog a lot of my books and there's just links to buy them and on there and, and, and such. And that's radicalrealmcomics.com. Okay. Yep. The name, the name came from Ron Radical. It was just sort of uh, uh, the way that he lived on until Pink Lemonade. Nice. Well, Nick, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, good. Glad you enjoyed it. Well, folks, Pink Lemonade stands alone in the genre right now. I mean, seriously, the, the, you, you got to check this book out. I have not read anything quite like it, and and that is really, really refreshing. So Nick has such an original voice here. I hope you take the time to check it out. You'll be glad you did. Look for it in your local comic shops or in bookstores or order a copy online. And if surreal, disturbing sci-fi is your jam, grab the uh, the video game injectables in Xeno. Um, this is Byron O'Neill, and on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.